Hey everybody, Christian Carvajal here, Editor Emeritus of Holy Arts. Welcome to Sound Stages. You know what this is. It's our podcast dedicated to theater entertainment all over the South Sound. This week's episode, I should warn you, may contain explicit language and references to topics that might be unsuitable for our younger listeners. So, on behalf of Holy Arts, thanks for listening. As John Oliver would say, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Sound Stages on the Oli Arts Podcast. I am your cheerful host, Christian Carvajal, and with me today is Dr. Lauren Love of South Puget Sound Community College. We spoke to her last year about Angels in America, a production I greatly admired, and now we're here to talk about Fun Home. And I got to tell you, Lauren, I have been super excited for this show, even before I had any kind of personal investment in it, which we'll talk about in a bit. Sure. But how did you first become acquainted with this material? You know, I had a friend who saw the show in New York, and she emailed me immediately and said, you have to see the show as soon as possible. And she's my peer. And I think what she saw in the show was our experience really reflected in it growing up in the 80s, coming out and coming of age in the 80s, and she knew it would be important to me. So I learned about it, but I didn't get to see it until it toured in Seattle, and I saw it here. Now, it's based on a memoir-slash-graphic novel by world-renowned cartoonist and writer Alison Bechdel. Mm -hmm. So you learned of this material, though, first as a musical. Is that correct? Yes, I did learn about it as a musical. I had not read the graphic novel prior to this, but I had been a fan of Dykes to Watch Out For when that was Long, like 25-year-long running comic series drawn by Bechdel. Yeah. All right, so... When you say that it resonated with your experience, Mm -hmm. we should say that, to our knowledge, Fun Home is the first major piece of Broadway entertainment with a lesbian protagonist and lesbian narrator. Now, (laughs) clearly, you know, we work in a community that has for decades been gay-friendly, and there's Mm -hmm. been all kinds of material with gay male protagonists. Why do you think this took so long? What was the holdup? Yeah, you know, what was the holdup? I think there's something about this lesbian invisibility concept that works into the tropes about lesbians and the representation of them. And that has to do with gender as well as sexuality, I think. It's been allowable and acceptable for women to be very close to one another emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so lesbianism hasn't always been read as a kind of sexual connection. Well, I've seen a lot of movies. Do you mean to tell me you're not all pillow-fighting serial killers? (laughs) I mean, that... Well, that's right. All of those fears and those tropes and films and other plays and musicals, certainly. That straight male attitude about what it is. Right. Yeah. And what's fearful about it. So as I suppose women getting a little bit of power and a little bit of visibility in the culture lesbianism is right making its breakthrough but it's still interesting to me that this musical for all of its power and beauty and really universal story is not well known it's not as well known as a lot of others well and it's such a charming piece of work as a musical too i think it's 
instantly relatable to anybody as kind of a coming of age story right. more than a coming out story, I think. I, agree. I relate to it. You know, I was talking to my friend Heather Matthews, who plays Allison in the show. Mm-hmm. Heather and I have known each other a long time, and I was interviewing her for the print article, and I asked her what it was about this material that she related to. Of course, I knew in advance what that would be, but I just wanted the quote, right? Sure. But she turned it around on me. She said, well, I want to know what you relate to in it. Mm. And I really had to think about that. Mm. And to me, as somebody who came out of a fundamentalist religious denomination, I think I've always related to people who finally had to admit to themselves and broadcast to others that we've all been mistaken about who I am. This is who I really am. And I don't have any choice but to be that. And you're just going to have to wrap your heads around that. This is who I am. And I suspect people have all kinds of reasons for relating to that story, right? Oh, absolutely. And fundamentally, we separate from our parents to find our own sense of self. And I think what's lovely, too, about this is that separation, that process for Ellis and Bechtel, it seems to me, is also about really recognizing her parents as discrete individuals and respecting them as full human beings and not merely her parents. Well, I do. I think that we all come to a time in our life where we and our parents have to accept each other as adults. This is the adult I'm dealing with. And, you know, I've said this many times that it's a weird feeling to look back at your adolescent memories of your parents and realize that I'm now older than they were then and to see what they did (laughs) retroactively from an (laughs) adult perspective. It's very strange. Now, Alison Bechdel had a very tumultuous relationship with her father Mm -hmm. and I gather still has an awkward relationship with her mother in some ways. As you went to cast the show, mm-hmm. now, of course, you're working with generally college actors here. How much did the differentiation in ages and the way that Allison in particular ages through the show, how did that affect the casting process? Well, I knew we really wanted to open up to the community and we would have to do that. To as you did on Angels. Show. Yes, as we did on Angels. And I think that's been an important part of growing the department for us is really understanding that the theater program here can make that bridge to the community. Well, that's tricky, right? How much of responsibility do you have as an educator to say, okay, I've got to cast some people who are fairly green, maybe, because Mm -hmm. they're students Mm -hmm. and they pay to attend here. How much responsibility do you have toward the tutelage of your students versus the end result of the product? Right, right. Well, I think that we're seeing a lot of students who are learning from collaborating with people in Mm. the community. I think that's a unique experience that they can't have. You know, I'm the one-woman department here. So really the community members become role models, mentors, teachers for the students as well. And they're very involved backstage. And what we're moving toward now is a very student-driven, student-focused production in the winter quarter. And then as we grow the program, we're hoping that the students are more and more comfortable auditioning and being on the main stage in these bigger shows that we're doing. So while we're talking about casting, this Mm -hmm. is the full disclosure part of our episode. (laughs) I read Fun Home, the memoir, shortly after it came out. Of course, Mm -hmm. it was immediately praised by everybody who mattered. I think I first saw an article about it in Entertainment Weekly, Mm -hmm. which doesn't normally concern itself much with either graphic novels 
<laughs> or later on Broadway musicals. Right. That's not really what most of its pages are for. But they were all about it. And based on their recommendation, I read that book. And then a few years later, not many years later, when it was decided that they were going to make a musical out of it, I thought, oh, well, that's some pretty heady stuff to make a musical out of, right? Yeah. Then I heard the music and, boy, it starts out in almost a Jackson 5 kind of vernacular. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so, no pun intended, it's so fun. It's just such a fun light, especially in Act 1. Yeah. And I think there are some big emotional payoffs from that in Act 2. You know this as a director. If you want to make an audience cry, set them up with a laugh first. Right? <laughs> sure. As long as people can relate to your protagonist, right. and humor is a good way of doing that, right. then those gut punches really land later on. Absolutely. I do think it's a fantastic musical. Critics agreed. The Tonys agreed. Yes. Right? Yes. So it won Best Musical. It mm -hmm. won Best Book of a Musical, which yep. in layman's terms means Best Script right. for a Musical. Right. I think the actress, what else did it win? I can't recall. It won Best Original Score, Best Musical, Best Book. And then, yeah, I think the director, maybe. I know he was nominated, and I think, yeah, a couple of the actresses. Won. But if you've won Best Book, Best Music, and Best Musical, you've Pretty much hit the trifecta anyway, Absolutely. right? Okay. So in a good year, that was the best musical anybody put out. Now, it comes time to cast it here in Olympia. Yes. Were you a little surprised that you were the first company to get it? I was. I mean, I had been waiting it right at the gates to, <laughs> to get it. But I was a little surprised and delighted. It's just so personally important to me. That well, I do I think for really many more reasons than one, you're the ideal person to Thank direct you. it. Thank you. When I heard that you were doing it, especially based on what I had seen from Angels in America, I gave the music another listen, and I heard the song, is it just called Days or Days is, and Days? It is just called Days. Days, D-A-Y-S. Yes. And I thought, you know who would... <laughs> utterly rock this song <laughs> is my wife amanda stevens yes. and she's the right age for it if lauren decides to cast it open to the community she'd yep. be great in the role oh she's got to audition for that and if she's auditioning oh maybe i should audition for bruce her husband uh -huh. and i went back and forth and back and forth on that and my obligations to pillow man precluded even having the time to audition okay. for it okay uh but that's all to the benefit of the show, it turns out. <laughs> Amanda heard it and said, you know who would be great as Alison Bechdel? And we both looked at each other and went, Heather Matthews, right? Yep. Oh, my goodness. She looks the part. She could sing it. She'd be fantastic. Based on that, a lot of people from the community came to your audition. Yes. Heather talked her husband, Ben, into auditioning yes. for Bruce. Uh-huh. And now you've got half a show. Right. But then there's the kids. Yeah. There are three child actors in the show. Indeed. And are you, like me, a director who dreads having to cast children? I have worked with children in workshops and in studio situations, but I've never really directed On purpose? actors. You know, deep down, yeah. Um, let's let's confess it, right? Because you don't know what you're going to get. It's not my experience. Right. It's not my experience. And then you worry about, oh, are the parents going to be difficult? And They do come with their parents. And, oh, my goodness, these parents have been absolutely tremendous. They are really going above and beyond. Given that this is, let's say, a PG-13 yeah. rateable right. musical, was that a concern as well? Sure, sure. And I made sure to disclose that fully to the parents who were bringing their children in. I said, you know, this has 
language and adult situations and some really difficult sort of emotional situations. So they made sure that they knew. It was wonderful. I didn't have to okay. worry about that. So with all due respect to the yes. other two kids, I want to focus on Lola. Can we talk about Lola for a bit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to let you rave about her because I, I will say the first time I heard her sing, the mm-hmm. hair on my arm stood up. Yes. I thought, oh, she could do it right now. And she's getting better and better, which is the most thrilling part of it, right? That everybody, all of these wonderful people that you mentioned have been fantastic from the beginning, and they're getting better and better. Where did you find Lola? Did she just walk in? She walked in. I believe she's 13 now, but she's a small in stature 13. And she plays Allison as... A 10-year-old, let's yes. say. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I understand that she has worked at the Fifth Avenue? Yeah. She was a swing for Annie at the Fifth Avenue. Okay. That's her most recent credit. And I understand that as she's doing your show, she's also in Susical down in Centralia? Yes. Yeah, she just closed that, so... <laughs> so. Where, did, where do she and her parents live? They live here in Olympia. In Olympia. Yeah. Okay. So the reason I guess I haven't seen her in anything is she's been busy in bigger markets. Maybe. But she's just... She's dynamite. Fantastic. And she's so professional and courteous and bright. I always say actors have to be smart. And And it certainly helps. And she is. And she is. And, you know, of course, that emotional intelligence that she brings. She's wonderful. She's going to knock people's socks off. All right. So let's walk Allison through her ages. So first we meet her when she's Lola and she's, let's say, 10 or 11 years old. Getting to know her father as a person. Then we meet her again. She has, I guess, gone off to college. Yes. Right? And what happens to her in college? Well, in college, she has her first encounter with herself, with her understanding of her own sexuality, really. Okay. And was that about the time it happened for you, too? Um, Yeah. It's right in the pocket, (laughs) right at the same time and right in that same period in, in our culture's history. What was it like for you coming out to your family? It was tough. It took a long time for, you know, our parents have to go through a process, too. And I think I started to realize that then, but I certainly fully realize it now. And they are very loving and accepting and supportive of me now, but it was a long process and they had to experience it as well. I think in that time period, now I was, I graduated from high school in 85, I started college in 88. I will say that one of my first visits to my campus, which is very progressive now, mm-hmm. I've never forgotten this. This was during the beginning of the peak of the AIDS crisis. Yep. And I remember that there was a big rock that faced the parking lot to our college campus. And someone had spray painted on that rock, more AIDS, less gays. Wow. Yep. I've never let go of that. That's what the world looked like for folks in the mid-80s. Again, now that campus, I don't want to bash that campus because now they have a thriving gay-lesbian alliance and they're Mm -hmm. they're doing great. Mm -hmm. But tough time. And I think at that point, a lot of people in small-town America thought of homosexuality as something that happened to people you would never meet in your life. You would never interact. It certainly didn't happen to your son or your daughter. Right. It wasn't something that was going to affect your family. And if it did, maybe you never found out about it. Right? Sure. All right. So you go to tell your family, did they cut you off? Did they? Did you have some of the problems that Alison Bechtel has dealt with? Well, at first, I remember some therapy sessions together. Oh, wow. And uh, the therapist saying, you know, 
you don't expect me to change her, do you? And they said, well, yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the end of that strategy. And, you know, just moments. And uh, I've been with Lori, my spouse now, since that time, or just after that time. Lori, who was working on the show. Yes, who's working on the show. She's doing props and sound design and set dressing. She's been invaluable, as always. But I guess that was in 1990s. I think I was a little cagey about it in the 80s. And then we went through some separate kind of time, my parents and I, and then even some when I Some separate brought... kind of time. That's a lovely way <laughs> yes. of putting it. Some adjustment, adjustment period, period. right? Yeah. And then when I brought Lori around, I remember them tolerating her for a Thanksgiving dinner, and we were in a snowstorm, and my mother, and this was very uncharacteristic of her, said, okay, bye. <laughs> she would never send me out in a snowstorm. Wow. Um, but you didn't we, qualify for Thanksgiving yeah, anymore, Yeah, we didn't huh? qualify for Thanksgiving. So we managed to, we actually knew somebody who was living nearby, so we stayed there. And it took a while. All right. So Allison's situation is complicated by the fact, I really don't want to dip into spoiler territory. Right. But let's just say her dad has a bit of a double life. Yeah. And because he is a person who is living an unintegrated life, let's say, mm-hmm. he is a bit of a difficult person to be around sure. sometimes. Right. Now, I have not talked to Ben about this, but I am somebody whose type as an actor has landed me a lot of roles that <laughs> they were not always pleasant people to be around either. <laughs> uh-huh. But Ben is cherubic looking and has yes. a lovely, high, clear voice. And yeah. so he, I think, is not used to those kinds of roles. Do you get the sense this has been stressful for him? I think it's definitely been a challenge for him to wrap his head around this character. And we've talked a lot about the circumstances the character's in and how any actor has to justify those choices based on the structures of those circumstances and imagine themselves into them. And I think it's been difficult for him to imagine himself into those circumstances and making those choices, right? That you would be so restricted or feel that you were so restricted by the circumstances of your life that it's perfectly understandable that maybe not likable all not likable all of the time but that it would get projected and expressed in an irritable way well this is something i i think all actors have to keep in mind is 99 percent of the time every person every character is doing the best they can yeah now some people can't do as much as others. They just lack the capability to reach some kind of moral level that we think they should. Mm-hmm. Some people can't rise above their circumstances and behave as we'd like them to. Of course. So maybe Bruce isn't always heroic, this no, character, no. but he's doing the best he can, and he is under yes. a lot of social limitations. Yes, yes, and he absolutely loves his daughter, and I think understanding that and finding those moments where it really matters to him, and maybe... That love has to do with him making something beautiful, you know, like he makes his house beautiful. I think in many ways she is her father's daughter. Right, right. and he's he's made a beautiful person, and I think he comes to see that too. And I hope that comes forward, that he recognizes that. Now, I've recommended to Amanda, because I hear her talking to other people about the show, Mm -hmm. and, and again, I've seen a halfway there version of the show and already loved it. I think it it has enormous potential as a piece of material and it has been met. 
But there's some pretty hefty gut punches in the course of the show. And I know that many times your rehearsals have ended in crying jags and all that kind of psychodrama. So I hear Amanda talking to people about the show, trying to persuade them to come see it. And the way she describes it, I always feel like the poster should say, trigger warning the musical or something, you know? Like, I know it says Fun Home. I know that's Uh the title. And I know the graphic is childlike and all that. But actually, it's pretty heavy. But you're going to love it. And I always worry about warnings like that because I think they tend to talk people out of seeing a piece of material they'd really love. Yes. You know, I compare something like this to Game of Thrones where Mm. characters don't always behave the way you would like them to. And there are some pretty heavy turns, but it is incredibly entertaining along the way. And so acknowledging that there is a lot of emotional heaviness to parts of the show. Mm -hmm. Have you had fun doing it? Oh, it has been such a tremendous joy. And it really has to do with the family feeling that is existing, that that these people who are working on the show have created. Well, a lot of that was hardwired in, frankly. You know, sure. my wife yeah. and I and the Matthews have been friends for yeah. a decade now, and yeah. I think you're Maybe. seeing some of that. But you've also got some folks we didn't know in the show. I didn't know Jesse Morrow well. You did. Mm-hmm. She played Harper for Harper. you last year. Yeah. Yes. Was she precast? Did you know it was going to be her? No, I didn't. She came to auditions, and uh, I was considering her for a number of different roles, and I honestly thought, well, she's kind of falling in between the ages of these characters. Right, right. Now, she plays Joan, who is basically Allison's first collegiate crush. Yes. And relationship, really. Yeah. My understanding is... That your college-aged, oh boy, I don't even know if I should tell this, but I'm going to anyway. Your college-age Allison, mm-hmm. whose name is Josie DeRossio. Josie DeRossio. That in fact she is having her first kiss in real life in the show. Is that right? <laughs> yes, that is right. Yes. Isn't that adorable? It's adorable and sweet and kind of just right. But we does did. it make things a little more fraught too? Yeah, it was a little fraught, but I think you know we had to kind of get through that. I mean, after all, here was this strange kind of way of having a first kiss that was yeah. a stage kiss. So it's kind of real, but not real. And so the three of us worked on that together for a little bit and uh, had to give it some extra attention. But it's very sweet. The acting method that I've been using for the most part since grad school dictates that if you are playing a romance on stage Mm -hmm. that when you walk out on stage understanding that you have now passed into a special space and the rules change and they're going to change back when you leave right but you make a serious attempt to find something about that character that persona that you're seeing in front of you that you could fall in love with oh sure and you do your best to temporarily make that happen yeah now i don't know josie's acting method i i don't know jesse's Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. But you're right, there is a, some degree to which you have a little romance in your life, and then you leave it behind right. <laughs> eight <laughs> right. weeks later, right? right? Yeah, yeah, it's unavoidable. I often tell actors you're doing real things in imaginary circumstances, you know, and it's very important. You're reacting to things right. that aren't real, but right. you're still having a real yeah. reaction yeah. to them. Yeah, so what you see on stage has to be through the character's eyes. And seeing the world that they exist in and seeing the people who occupy it. Now, when you did your, again, wonderful production of Angels in America, and again, great material that 
really throws down the gauntlet. Are you going to be able to rise to this? Right. As try as we all might, my understanding is that you did not have great houses for that show, that you didn't draw huge crowds. No, you know, we didn't draw huge crowds. And I think that, you know, it's something daunting about knowing that it's maybe three hours, (laughs) right, per Maybe. Have your other shows done better? But the other shows, I was going to say that we actually were growing the audience. So even though maybe we had 80 people in the audience, it was more than we have had for the shows. And in that 500-seat house... You know, it looks... Yeah, it looks a little sparse, right? Well, we don't want that to happen to Fun Home. It is not three hours, first of all. It's a tight, (laughs) what, hour 40, hour 45, something like that? Yeah, yeah, and it plays straight through. Yeah, you're playing it without an intermission. Mm -hmm. Boy, the songs are catchy. Oh, they're wonderful. I think it's reductive of me as a critic to say, oh, well, the show is either hummable or not. And if you walk out of a musical and you can't remember any of the songs, I think on some level it failed. I'm sure there are people that would argue with me and say that's a dumb way of thinking of it. But it is the way I think of it. This show is very hummable. It is. I mean, Janine Tesori is an incredible composer. I mean, and this team, you know, she did Shrek and... Yeah, um, yeah. She said that Shrek actually prepared her to do Fun Home because just like in Shrek, it breaks the protagonist. Well, you got to let your free flag fly, right? right. Isn't that yeah. the song and you from Shrek? Write. <laughs> right. Well, I, again, for obvious reasons, I have been hearing these songs, one or two in particular, sure. pretty much every day now for yeah. two months, yeah. and I haven't gotten tired of them yet. Good. Same for you? Oh, oh yes. I mean, since I started listening to it, <laughs> I haven't stopped listening to it. I love the music. All right. Did you know you were going to be directing a musical this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You did. Yeah, we're planning on that for a spring show every every year. Every year. All right. So I do have a direct connection to Fun Home because my wife is in it and she's very good in it. Yes, she is. I do have a direct connection because I am an admirer of what Lauren has done on this campus and in this arts community. All that aside, I am plugging this show really on my own time because I just want you to have huge houses for it. Not just to support you and my wife, but because the show really is terrific. The material is terrific. And I don't think you have to be lesbian or gay or a fan of up-to-the-minute Broadway or any of those subgroups of humanity to enjoy it. I think it is relatable to anybody walking down the street. Absolutely. You will understand what these characters are experiencing, and and I think you'll experience it with them. I think you'll have big old feelings. Yeah. Which is really what we want out of our entertainment, right? We want actual laughs and actual crying, and it is so delightful to watch these characters fall in and out of love with each other mm-hmm. and fall out and then back in love with each other and to understand each other at different ages of their life. It's just a wonderfully human piece of work. I think so too. So if you've never believed me before, first of all, why are you still listening to this? That makes no sense. Don't you have better things to do? Second, just go ahead and believe me now. This is a fantastic show. It is well worth your time at half of what you should be paying to see it. That's one of the benefits of seeing a show on a college campus, right? Right. I mean, to some level, you're subsidized by the state educational system. I think it's the only way you could afford to to do this show in a way, right? Yes. You have an orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and really, without the support of this administration, of this institution, we would not be able to do it. It's truly remarkable. It is. Yes, you're on a junior college campus, but it does not 
play like what you think a junior college production is going to play like. It's a community project with a lot of fantastic talent in it. Heather Matthews is a really popular vocalist in town. You may have seen her with her group Black Satin performing all over the place. My wife is a trained opera singer. Ben can belt the hell out of that number. I mean, everybody's so good. And Lola herself, I think, is worth the price of admission. It's just a fantastic show. You're going to have a wonderful time. And you only have two weekends to see it. Yes. Okay, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's mm-hmm. all night shows at 7 p.m. Seven. So, yeah, so that's an hour earlier than you might be used to at other companies. 7 p.m. this weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And next weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Right on. You must come. I expect you to come. <laughs> Me too. If you are a friend of mine or of Lauren's... <laughs> We will not accept any excuses. You have to come see this show. That's right. Or it's over. Or, or right. Or that's right. I'm not saying. I'm just saying there is really no theater department to speak of at another campus in the area anymore. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, it is unfortunate, uh, especially when you see what those places are capable of doing mm-hmm. and what it means to people's lives, yeah. you know, as oh they're coming gosh. to this part of their... It saved mine. I mean, that's the honest truth. It got me from an outdated world into my adulthood. The only way I think I could have done it. So if that's important to you, if that resonates with you at all, please come see Fun Home. I'm telling you, I'm promising you, I am guaranteeing you, (laughs) you will not walk away unaffected by it. It's fantastic. Thank you. All right, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon, of course, on Sound Stages. (laughs) 